Big Better Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. Welcome to this edition of the Big Better Best Books podcast. And today's topic is the elusive art of translation. And I have two professional, amazing translators with me. I have Katusha Sakanovic from Belgium, who translates hello. to hello, who translates <laughs> to a lot of languages that we get to in a minute. And then we have Karina Kabel, who lives in Austria, in Vienna, and who, well, I think you both get to tell me what languages you translate to, so I don't get that wrong. So, Katusha, you can start. What what languages do you translate to, and what what's your favorite one? Oh. Do I have favorites? I don't know. Each each language has its own charm, so uh, each language has its own fun, too. Um, originally, I, I graduated in translation from Dutch, no, not even, from Russian and English <laughs> to French, and then later on I added Dutch to that. So I'm usually translating into French, but occasionally into English, as it's also kind of my mother, second mother tongue or first mother tongue, whatever. And Corinna? Um, I started to become an interpreter for English and Russian, um, being a German native speaker. And I love um, interpreting in all directions, if you like. <laughs> and when it comes to translating, I certainly prefer to translate to German or English. So, yeah. <laughs> but she does a wonderful work translating into Russian as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I read somewhere that to be a really good translator, um, you had to kind of both, I mean, you had to be fluent in both languages and you had to also kind of get the culture and the, the, the part of, of the language that goes outside the words. What's that like for you? Have you lived in all the countries you translate to or well, obviously been there, but what's your experience of actually taking the, the culture of the, of the language into the translation? Well, I've actually lived both in Great Britain and also in Russia several times, also two and a half years in Moscow. So um, what I love about that is that it gives you, as you say, uh, the cultural background and also even what people say in everyday life how they express certain things. It gives you a great feel for that. And for me, translation is, of course, about getting the words right, but the words are just transporting the meaning or they're giving you pictures. It's basically you have a whole picture in one book or a whole scene or a whole story, and you just um, recreate it in another language so that the recipients of the other language can also get what's going on there. So sometimes you will have to make adjustments. And yeah, that's also the fun part. And the more information, the more background information you have, the more exciting it gets, of course, and the more nuances you can get across. What do, what do you think you? What do you get, Katusha? Well, I chose, uh, it's funny because Karina went to the countries <laughs> and I chose a country where the cultures came to me. So I chose to be born in a family where my dad was Russian, my mom was half English. It's a country where we speak French, Dutch and German. 
So, <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, having everything at hand from the start. So that, that was definitely a gift. And um, when you were talking, Corinna, it reminded me of an interview of a fr- Anglo-French writer, she, Tatiana de Ronet. And sometimes she writes her book in English. Sometimes she writes them in French. Mm-hmm. And she was interviewed uh, in French. And they said, oh, your book is, is translated in English, but that's weird. You let someone else translate your book. Mm-hmm. And and she said, um, you know, I've spent so much time in this book. If I have to restart all the process again with the translation, it's too, you know, it doesn't work. So she let someone uh, translate it for her, but she went through it again. No, it's it's so true. I um, I've written a few children's books and when one of them was translated to Swedish, which is my native language, but I wrote the books in English, I was not the one translating it to Swedish. And and I, for me, translation is a very different art than writing. Writing for me, it's like I get to play with the words and I get to move them forth and back. But then if I if I'm going to try to translate something even to my native language, I do have to start over because the the energy is not at all the same. I'm suddenly having to remove and move around phrases and words. So I am so admire translators because I don't I don't really know. It's kind of like re, for me, it would be like rewriting the whole book. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. When I write blog articles or something like that, and I say, okay, that should be translated in another language as well. And when I translate translate my own, it's a different article that comes (laughs) out. And you say, okay, I'll let someone translate that for me because here I'm I'm writing another article. Because the energy of each language brings up something different, it's so funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There was um, I was before this uh, podcast, I was reading up a little bit of different translators, and there was one translator who said that it's it's like it's something else, but still the same. <laughs> strangely, yeah. And, and how, so, how do you balance when the two of you translate between immersing yourself in the original piece of text and still making mm. it like? making this new energy come forward. Like what's the, how do you balance? How do you play with that? Well, for me, it's being true to the author and being true to the audience, basically. This is how I balance it. So yeah, I I see to it that what the author's intention was to bring across the energy, the, the thoughts, the ideas, whatever, get across as well as possible um, as the audience can receive by choosing the words the audience needs to hear <laughs> to get it. So this is basically, yeah, I, I switch roles, so to say, or in a way, I don't have to switch that much. It's like I connect with what the author has created and I, it's in front of me, it's there. I, I also sometimes read with the, with the reader's eyes if I go through it. So, and I, I reread it and get the sense. Okay. So does it create the same imagery, whatever, does it create the same feelings as it did when I read it the first time in the original language? This is how I balance it basically. Do you, so you kind of look at the energetic, if the energy is this similar to whatever the words are, are you more looking at the words or the energy? <laughs> does that make sense? What's your, what's your red thread? Ultimately, it's the energy. 
ultimately, yes, this is the most important part. And I think even if you just learn translation, this is the basic thing you learn that it's about the whatever the message that it has to get across. So there was this one great example, which is a, is a bit gruesome, but I want to bring it anyway. <laughs> when I studied translation, <laughs> they gave us an example of a, I think a Saudi, a Saudi guy who came to Germany um, saying something about um, how he loved um, General Rommel, like, uh, like, I mean, like a Nazi general. <laughs> and so great. And then the translator was there, oh, shoot. So what, what should I say now? Because nowadays, Germany, you shouldn't say things like that. So he kind of uh, said, um, well, with a, with a side note, okay, so he wants to express his um, um, appreciation for Germany, right? So he, he couldn't use the same words because people would have been offended or whatever. They would have been like, what? What's going on here? But this is one example where I cannot stick to the words, but you have to look at the intention of the speaker, of the, of the author. And then you pick according, accordingly. Or you, of course, you can also translate it literally, but then make side notes, I mean, like notes or whatever. So it's... Um, I personally think the intention is the most important thing here. So you fall, you try to interpret the writer's intention, and then you find the way to convey that in the in the second language. Would that be? Yes, in, in general. But in books, usually it's also it depends on. Oh, there are so many aspects yeah. to it. It depends on who is it translated for and all of that. So basically, uh, it's really about being true to the author, and then also adapting it or explaining where explanation is needed. But then in books, usually you don't, you don't have this that much. But this is, was just one example where it's um, to illustrate how the intention is really important. And then also we get to play with words as translators, which is really cool because, of course, this is something we love, right? We love yeah. <laughs> well, let me, how we no. <laughs> <laughs> You're both <laughs> excited. Um, let me let me jump in here and ask actually Katushka something. So another thing that when I did my research on translation and the art of translation, another thing that really caught my eye was somebody wrote that to to truly translate a book, like a, especially a book of um, a fiction, you the translator needs to be as good as the author at writing to truly convey like the whole, you know, the, the, the work of art, basically. Would you say that's correct, Katusha, or what, how would you look at that? I probably wouldn't word it that way, but there's this story that may illustrate this. So I wasn't able, so to say, to read liter Russian literature in the original text, you know, 19th century, early 20th century Russian highly literary language. And so I, I started reading translation. And I, for instance, Dostoevsky, I could never read Dostoevsky's translation in French. And then all of a sudden, I think in the 80s and in the 90s, there was this absolute amazing, crazy guy uh, <laughs> called André Markovitch. And he's, he's translating all the Russian authors into French, but like really energetically, impulsively. This guy is just crazy. But when mm. you read those books, they are so modern and they, they are so true to the original book as well. It's it's amazing. So I get uh, like Dostoevsky was ahead of his time somehow, and mm. this guy could really capture the the energy of of his writings, and I so admire that. It's it's amazing. 
this guy is an absolute crazy translator. <laughs> what is wow. it is interesting because for some translators, um, and in for some kind of work of well writing work, you even you actually tell people who the translator is because it's so important. In Sweden, where I live, sometimes really big authors are translated by, by big authors. So so a French author will be translated by a Swedish author so that it's kind of like that Swedish author's interpretation of the French mm. author's work. And then, of course, they're both mm. on the cover. And another way is when the translator is more like a ghostwriter who it's not so visible, it's not so apparent, but just kind of works in the background to translate. Yeah, I think it's something that is changing, has been changing the last 10 years, I'd say. I remember when I translated my first book, I talked to the ed- to the publisher and he said, yeah, I know translators are, are paid one shot. They don't get a percentage of the royalties. It's not fair. I'm aware of that. But that's the way it works now. What would it take, you know, to change that? And that was my question then. What would it take to change the way translation works, the translation world works, to reward the translation, you know, as differently than it is now? So it's, you know, it's not just a commodity, it's, a, it's a, a creation in itself. And true to the author, true to the book, but still a creation. Yeah. It's, and Karina mentioned that before as well. So It's like a transformation from one language to another. Do you, do you both read the books before? Like if you, let's say, let's, let's do this. So which is the favorite book you've translated, Karina? Which is your, the one you were most happy with? The most recent translation, I'd say, which is, uh, would you teach a fish to climb a tree? Ah. (laughs) And I love that. That was, and I never read it before because for me, this way, I'm totally, it's also totally fresh and new for me. The minute I translate and the world opens up in front of me while I'm translating so it's not like, because otherwise I have all this background information in my head already and it might just slow me down. I just like like plunging into it, diving into it and going ahead. So this is basically, so it's re- almost like reading it at a different pace and also with a different kind of intensity because I'm translating it. I have to pay attention to detail even more. So yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. You kind of have to, instead of just, so I read, when I read, I read whole paragraphs. People read differently, but I, I am one of those people who read whole mm-hmm. paragraphs. But if I would translate, I would obviously not be able to do that. <laughs> so I would have to, <laughs> to read with even more aggressive <laughs> presence and actually be there with every word. Yeah. So, huh. Right. In, in Katusha, which is your, mm-hmm. which is your favorite, favorite book that you've well, ever translated? I, 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 Actually, they're all amazing to translate and they all bring something different and something new. And I get that I'm getting better and better at it too, the more I do this. And what I also want to add to this, what makes it so magical to translate those books is that the books themselves are entities and that you can talk to them and they will tell you this works, this doesn't work. And I've experienced that mostly with something I'm not translating but reviewing with The Return Mm. of the Gentleman. Mm. 
it's it's an amazing journey because it's really okay i have a different eye than the translator and a different background obviously and so it's really asking the the contribution of the book and asking it okay will this work yes no yes oh okay so let's leave it like this Oh, it doesn't work. So what else could we translate it into? So it's, it's such, um, you're not alone. I'd say you're, um, personally, I connect to the brain of the author, so to say, but, but also to the book itself. And it really, this, this last adventure with the return of the gentleman is such a gift in that sense. Yeah. So, um, some people have compared Neely translation to, music where you're trying to find the like the rhythm or the you know the rhythm the sound the tone of of the text and you're now you're you're talking about the text talking to you what other what other kind of tools or things like that that people may not think about when translating are you both using you know things that that anyone who just reading a book is not something, I mean, everybody understands that you take a word and you try to find a word that would be similar in the other, but, but could you, could you tell us about one or a tool that you use when you translate that could be slightly unexpected? It probably is very natural to the two of you. This is really the question. I mean, I, I'll say something rather obvious now, yeah. but maybe, yeah, um, it's really um, hitting the nerve, hitting the tone, um, like of the author. Like, if the author is more like a lighthearted person and tends to use. Um, not too formal language to get this bounciness across this like lightness this would be one of the things uh, when you for instance look for words look to look for the register you 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 yeah. you should choose and also think in bigger um uh in bigger chunks than just a sentence as you say maybe in whole paragraphs or whatever so so all of it gets there all of the information all of the details get across safely from one language to the other but it don't, they don't have to be in the same place exactly the same place so that's basically maybe one thing that comes do to you mind. ever read out loud when you translate i i have this funny thing that i read out loud in my head ah. <laughs> so this is also what sometimes slows me down <laughs> But then sometimes it's helpful because I, I hear how it sounds yeah. right away. Yeah. So, yeah. How, how do you know when a translation works? How do you know when it doesn't work? Like, what is it? Is it like a... It's more like a gut feeling. It's like, oh, now it's whole. It's like this, oh, it's all there. Oh, now it's good. This is <laughs> a very basic, like, instinct. You maybe. just know. You, you know. <laughs> you know when it works. <laughs> And you also know when it doesn't work. <laughs> so how do you know? Does it just it just doesn't it doesn't read? Does it sound a little false? Does it? You know, what is it that makes you know? Because you can translate a sentence probably at least ten ways most sentences. So, Katerina, mm -hmm. uh, when you were saying you probably don't read it paragraph by paragraph, um, but rather word for word. Actually, no. Mm -hmm. um, 
what what's the what's the message here? What did the author want to want to convey here? And what is the energy of that? And what are the the best words in the other language to convey that same message? And it can end up with a totally different sentence. Ah. Not only the words at different places, but different, you know, just different. And mm -hmm. that's that's the sentence that is going to match the energy the most, as opposed to something that is going to be more literal. And one might think when you don't know this art, let's say, <laughs> uh, one might think that um, you need to match every word with another word, which is not the case. You actually match an energy, an idea, or a feeling, or or whatever, an emotion, whatever, and you try to transpose that in the other language. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. kind of it's like you never come to conclusion. You continuously work until it falls into place. Like you continuously change in. Not just one word, but the whole. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. so does a book then have an energy that it would like to be? Would that make sense? Like, does it that you know mm -hmm. you get to? You mean the translation? Yeah. Book? No, I mean so. Okay, so let me give you an example. So I was part of um, writing. Uh, the Being You, Changing the World book with Dane here. And then it got translated to Swedish, um, not by me, <laughs> again, <laughs> by somebody else. And and I have been part of writing the whole English book, and it, it gave me a certain sense, a certain energy when I read it. And I read it many times in many different circumstances. And then I read the Swedish book, and I had a completely different experience. It was like reading the whole book again. It was a completely new experience because it was in my native tongue. Mm. It gave me a completely new energy. And yet, again, the, the, the original book was in there somewhere. So the translator was really, it was an amazing work that she had done because she had managed to take the original work, but added nearly like added Sweden on top of it. It's, it's like, it's like a diamond. It has so many different shines and, you know, every way it's cut, it's shining mm. differently. And so one language will find, will shine one way and the same diamond in another language will shine differently. And it will bring something else to it, but kind of inherently. You were saying, uh, do we translate words or do we translate energy? I guess that we capture the energy of one word in the original language and of uh, many possibilities for that word in the other language, and we try to find the closest mm. match. But it will not be 100%. It will not be a, a total match. It will be something approaching it. So it will have the 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 original blend but it will give a slightly different blend to yeah. it yes do you get yes. what i mean is that is that like similar for you corinna it's it's very i i, I was just wow i was just admiring how you how well you put it <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> that's it that's it really and it's this different shade this different um, shine is exactly what makes it 
um, palatable to the target audience, to the other language target audience. And this is, yeah, this is how it, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both. So was translator something you always wanted to be since you were a kid? Or is it something that's shown up later in your lives? <laughs> Who's, who wants to start? <laughs> I think Atusha has to start because she I, laughs. <laughs> it's so funny because I was born in that language cauldron. And it was kind of obvious to everyone that I would study languages. And then when it, you know, when you're at the end of secondary school and you, you choose your orientation or something, and it's made so significant <laughs> that it's going to shape your whole life and that it's really a big choice. And, uh, and so I said, no, everybody says I, I, do, I will do that. Why? They're, I can do anything. So I started to explore all the things, you know, science, economics, whatever. I went in all directions and then I came back to languages when it was the five minutes before choosing, you know. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I've always played with languages. I mean, with words, with, uh, uh, as far as I can remember, that was maybe not translation, but languages definitely, definitely. And Corinna? For me, it's, um, I just remembered <laughs> when you talked about your childhood that uh, when I was uh, a child, uh, we lived in the Netherlands and I went to school in the Netherlands and spoke Dutch. I just forgot. <laughs> but then I also forgot all of my Dutch. So, um, and my mom would teach English at home. So I would, we, I would hear English um, a lot. So... Pfft. For me, no, I've never thought about becoming a translator, actually. I wanted to become an artist, so I, a painter and sculptor and all of that. So it was more like, oh, when that didn't work out, my parents said, okay, go back to languages. This is something you know how to do. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> And it's also right now, it's something I totally love and adore and love doing. And it's one of the things I do, basically. Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah. I I think it's an amazing capacity to have that you both and you both have several languages. Just that capacity to basically move between different worlds. Each language for me is like a, a world. It I sound different in English than yeah. I sound in Swedish. I sound even more different in German. Yeah, sure. I, so I have those languages, <laughs> and in Spanish I sound like I don't know any Spanish. <laughs> so that's like. I, I know a little <laughs> bit, but I don't sound very smart. So it, it, moving around those all those languages, and I can perceive that, that the way you move around them, because you have a you have a, a fluency in all of them, also gives you a fluency in those worlds. So I think it's it's an amazing thing that we translate books. I think it's an amazing thing that it's possible to translate books and text overall. You know, there's another story of my life that, that is really uh, illustrating this very well. I was with a friend who spoke only French, and we were watching television. That was 25 years ago. And we were watching television, and I was showing her a, a, um, a British show I loved. It was so funny. And mm -hmm. then we, we watched it, and I was translating for her so that she gets, you know, the, the, the gist of it. And then... 
I don't know how it happened. I started zapping from one channel to the other and I kept translating. And at a moment she turns out to me <laughs> and she says, what are you doing? So what do you mean? What are you doing? You translating, but this is French. <laughs> so wow. I was actually, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there is, there is no barrier between languages. Yeah. It's just, it's just a flow of information and right. you get that energy of that flow and you put words on, on it. Yeah. And, When when you're totally not functioning with the head, I have to translate from this language to another. It's just it's just you know the flow. <laughs> yeah, that's, so a, that's a wonderful example. We're gonna we're gonna end. We were actually already hit the 30 minute mark here. So I'm so grateful you both came on and talked about this this art elusive art that I am so in awe of that you both have. I am so looking forward to reading even more of what you, when you translate and to the language that I actually understand, <laughs> like German. So, um, <laughs> and, and is there anything else you would like to add before we go? When, if anybody is looking at becoming a translator, is there any, any advice or anything you would like to tell them? If you love it, trust yourself and do it. Yeah, basically, yeah. This is really it. Yeah. It's like, and pick the languages that speak to you most and just, yeah, just go ahead and have fun with it. No, that's great. So, <laughs> yeah. so two that's things, fun. pick the languages you love the most. And if, if you trust yourself, go for it. Would that be correct? As the last advice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you mm -hmm. very much, both of you, for coming on. And thank you thank for inviting you. us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.